You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Iggy Pop, Lust for Life. On the line, I have Rob. Oh, yeah. Ben. Yup. And Kyle. Hi there. Lust for Life is a second solo album by American musician Iggy Pop, released on August 29th, 1977 by RCA Records. The producer was David Bowie and Iggy Pop and Colin Thurston. The genre was hard rock, proto-punk, and industrial rock. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Mark Deming. On the Idiot, Iggy Pop looked deep inside himself trying to figure out how his life and his art had gone wrong in the past. But on Lust for Life, released less than a year later, Iggy decided it was time to kick up his heels as he traded in the mid-tempo introspection of his first album and began rocking hard again. Musically, Lust for Life is a more aggressive set than The Idiot, largely thanks to drummer Hunt Sales and his bassist brother Tony Sales. The sales proved that they were world-class rhythm section laying out power and spirit on the roll-licking title cut, the tough groove of Tonight, and the lean neo-punk assault of Neighborhood Threat. And with guitarist Ricky Gardner and Carlos Olimar at their side, they made for a tough, rye rock and roll band, a far cry from the primal stomp of the Stooges, but capable of kicking Iggy back into high gear. As a lyricist and vocalist, Iggy Pop rose to the challenge of the material. As he was still obsessed with drugs, decadence, and bad decisions, the title cut suggested he could avoid a few of the temptations that crossed his path, and songs like Success displayed a cocky joy that confirmed Iggy was back at full strength. On Lust for Life, Iggy Pop managed to channel the aggressive power of his work with the Stooges with the intelligence and the perception of the idiot, and the result was a best, best of both worlds. Smart, funny, edgy, and hard-rocking, Lust for Life is the best album of Iggy Pop's solo career. All right, what do we think of Lust for Life by Iggy Pop? Love That's some good soup. <laughs> yeah, this is good soup. Yeah, best Iggy Pop worker. I agree. Yeah, I'd have to say so. I don't know. It's it's close. The Idiot is very interesting, but I think that this, the hard-rocking sound and the two singles, I mean, what are you going to do? This album scratches my Iggy Pop itches. I, I yeah, really man. liked The Idiot and kind of like how introspective it was and how experimental it was with that Berlin sound. 
But on Lust for Life, I just feel like it's still like it's still a Berlin album. So it, it, David Bowie's still there. But I just feel like Iggy Pop is bringing more of his sensibilities to the table on this one. It's less him singing on an album that feels like a David Bowie album. And it feels more like good soup. Like you said, Rob, it's a quality soup. It's a, you got a good stew. (laughs) You make a good point. It is an Iggy pop album. The other one felt more David Bowie. What makes, what makes an Iggy pop album an Iggy pop album? I guess that's my question. Well, it's, 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 it's rollicking. It's it's rocking and it's rolling. It's it's grooving. It's it's strutting around. It could fall off the rails, but it's not gonna. You know, like uh, like like the the stuff that the stuff that you know Iggy Pop for, other than you know, other than like certain aspects of his Stooges like stage performance. It it's just it's got that strut and that swagger that the idiot didn't necessarily have. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, out of the, the four records we're, we're doing tonight, this is the only one that I was really familiar with. Uh, I listen to this record a lot. Uh, <laughs> I love this record so much. Uh, Passenger is like one of my favorite songs of all time. I love it. Yeah. Um, tonight is a Stone Cold classic. Neighborhood Threat. Success. Always love success. Success snuck up on me over the years. It used to be, I used to like a lot of songs on this album and then also there was success, but this past week success really worked its way into my brain. I love how simple the format is just call and response, just like him and, and a few different multi-tracked Bowie's. Yeah. Success was really funny because when I first got into that record, it was, it was like 20 years ago. I was hanging out with like, uh, Alex Cornia, uh, and Allison. And, um, we used to just say, here comes my face. Here comes my face. Here comes my Chinese rug. Here <laughs> comes my Chinese rug. I, I, I've listened to this album so many times. Uh, <laughs> record so much. And you guys, um, you guys remember when Lust for Life was in every commercial? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like Caribbean Cruises. Yeah. Caribbean stuff. Cruise. <laughs> Literally. A real, yeah, real, real weird. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure Iggy thought it was fucking hilarious. He did. Yeah. He thought it was amazing that they were playing it in Caribbean cruises, even though they were cutting out all the scandalous parts. He yeah. come take this vacation on this boat with your family and also do heroin. <laughs> yeah, they always get out the lyrics. They do uh here comes Johnny Yen again and then Yeah. <laughs> they show people, you know, diving into the ocean or driving in a car. <laughs> yeah, I never I never listened to this record, Kyle. And it wasn't because you would sing it at me. It was just because like I, I never had an Iggy Pop face, even though like we had to do that Iggy Pop show that one time. We did an Iggy Pop cover show, bro. Yeah. I and, and you were blacked out the whole time. I don't know if you remember it. Right before we started. <laughs> yeah, you, you were you were you were in a thing, but like just because like uh at, at the at the time when we had to like figure that stuff out. I think I was using LimeWire or Kazal Light or something. I was just downloading like random Iggy Pop songs. I wasn't even listening to like whole albums at that point. I was just like picking and choosing stuff. But like, 
I kind of wish I had maybe listened <laughs> 20 years ago. It's really, really fucking good. Um, but yeah, like it, uh, uh, enough of it was on the train spotting soundtrack. I don't know. I, it, it feels really familiar to me. How do you guys feel about the song we're listening to right now? Some weird sin. It's my favorite song on the record. It's oh, so okay. good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This, this was a standout for me as well. I, I was surprised that it it doesn't get as much uh, play, I, I guess, yeah. as the other songs. But it is an amazing song. I mean, even uh, side two, Neighborhood Threat is a Neighborhood banger. Threat's great. Neighborhood yeah. Threat sounds like it could be on like on the radio during like the 90s alt rock era. Like it's yeah. not quite I'm... punk, you know, but it like it, it, yeah, it sounds like it would fit right at home with like rock radio of the 90s. Yeah. So uh, the rhythm section on this album, Hunt Sales and Tony Sales. Hunt on drums, Tony on bass. Their father is comedic actor Soupy Sales. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's some good soup. That's some good soup. (laughs) And I only became familiar of this project actually fairly recently that the David, uh, David Bowie in the late 80s, early 90s. Talking about Tin Machine. I am. He's still, oh, yeah, he, man. Fucking yeah, love Tin stopped, Machine. He stopped doing a sol- his solo project. He just wanted to be a member of a band, kind of uh, like to do like a a hard reboot on, like, or just uh, hit the refresh button. You know, he, he doesn't want to be the David Bowie. He wants to be a member of a band and, and collaborate that way, kind of get the rejuvenate the creative juices. And he had met uh, Reeves Gabriels, uh, guitar oh. player Reeves Gabriels. And they had been talking about getting a project going. And David Bowie said, hey, have you ever heard Lust for Life? I've got your rhythm section. Hunter and uh, Tony Sales are bass and drums for Tin Machine. I remember Tin Machine's album being uh, on sale at the dollar store in the mall in the early 90s. Of course it was. <laughs> Man, I feel like and I'm, I'm really late to the party on this Tin Machine thing. But... What what actually drove me to them was everyone talking shit on Tin Machine being like this, like a dark spot on David Bowie's career. Uh, so I, I was curious about it. I looked into it. I pulled up some of the stuff on like Spotify. I thought it was really cool. And I thought especially for being a few years ahead of that, really like the nine, like like Pixies were a band, but it's like they weren't a radio band yet, you know, and uh, just like that whole like college rock early nineties sound. It feels like they, they would have fit right. They they were like a year or two before that whole thing, like kind of broke, you know, from what I remember, Tin Machine was kind of a, a reaction. I think it was Reefs Gabriel actually, who saw David Bowie doing his glass spiders fucking tour in 87 and was like, what are you doing? This is embarrassing. You look like an idiot. And he was like, let's do some stripped down rock. Um, which led to Tin Machine, and if we're talking Reeves Cabral, that led to One Outside, which was his kind of reunion record with, with Brian Eno. Mm. I, feel like I feel like we're on a tangent right now. Uh, and I'm going to continue on that tangent. Do you know who was the host for uh, SNL for the Tin Machine show? Andrew Dice Clay. Iggy Pop? Oh. It was Macaulay Culkin, hot off of uh, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Oh, nice. <laughs>
I do love, I, I, but part of like I love Iggy Pop, but part of what really sells this album to me is that just kick and rhythm section. Yeah, this album hits hard. It, it, it hits you in the butt. Yeah. yeah. Also, let's not discount David Bowie's music. I mean, there's a lot of songs written by David Bowie on this. It's true. So he was going through his very creative period. And yeah, one of my notes is how many fucking records <laughs> did David Bowie do in 77? <laughs> Seriously, right? A couple to a tree. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine. So Lust for Life, you know, it was in all the commercials back in the day. I feel like also I feel like the publishing checks for the passenger have to be pretty big. Like I feel like I wasn't it like it was like Anderson Cooper 360s theme. Yeah. It was it was uh, No Reservations theme for a minute. I think I've heard it in commercials. It's been covered by so many. It's people. so iconic. Yeah, yeah. Susie and the Banshees, Nick Cave, REM, Bauhaus, oh. Luna Chicks. Uh, that the, cover is really good. The Batman Forever soundtrack, of course. Don't forget Michael that. Hutchins. Don't forget first. that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's everything. I mean, even success was covered by Yola Tango, The Dam, Smithereens, Tom Jones, The Pretenders. I mean, or oh, sorry, so Less for Life. Less for Life has. Uh, it's <laughs> Man, just, I want to cover success. I think success would be a really fun song to cover. I also want to cover Less for Life just because it, it rocks so hard. And it Here shakes your butt. Comes my face. Here comes my face. Duran Duran covered success. Up. I like how dedicated uh, the call and response. It's I'm, I'm assuming it's just all just Bowie doing the response, but like, but it's like as the song's fading out, he's like, "Go run out of the street, do anything I want. Gonna run out of the street, do anything I want." And he's like, ha, 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 "Oh shit! Ha, ha, oh shit!" <laughs> Gonna get stoned. That's commitment to the goof. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. Uh, I did want to mention we were bringing back a little bit to uh, some weird sin. That that song reminded me a lot of uh, modern depression with uh, Josh Homme because it has a very the the post pop depression. Post pop depression with uh, Queens of the Stone Age uh, because that that song has a very Queens esque uh, guitar tone in it. Oh, absolutely! And it's one hundred percent an influence on that kind of uh, that album and uh, their sort of collaboration. If you guys haven't listened to that album, I absolutely recommend it. It's it's a bit of a this one, a bit of the idiot. It, it comes back to this period for sure. I need to pick it up. Uh, FPK was spinning the single a few years ago. What it was a woman's name. Is it Gardenia? Like who's going to take Gardenia out tonight? Yeah. Is that, I don't yeah. know if I have the name, yeah. but I liked that song a lot. And it, that did when we were listening to, especially to the idiot, I forget what song the idiot, but we, I spent a week listening to it. And for some reason that like 2016 Iggy pop song, would get stuck in my head. And I know they were hearkening back to that period. I guess they're being successful. And also, he's got, uh, yeah, he's got Queens of the Stone Age members. And uh, then on, on drums on that record, he's got the drummer for Arctic Monkeys, who is an animal and also a good backup singer. Yeah. Uh, I was going to mention in 1977, uh, the song Lost for Life reached number three on the Dutch Top 40, as well as Yugoslavia. 
its success was ignited by a legendary performance on the Dutch pop TV show Top Pop, where Iggy shirtless wrecked part of the stage, uh, which consisted of a couple potted plants and some cardboard scenery. Although many <laughs> viewers, oh man, I'm googling that as soon as we sign off. <laughs> Although many viewers and newspapers complained about the apparent damage, the director of Top Pop later admitted that he knew beforehand that Iggy was going to what he was going to do and the damage was minimal. So it's cardboard scenery. Yeah. Yeah. Potted plants. He was not (laughs) upset at all, but apparently uh, people watching were their delicate Dutch sensibilities. Yeah. Uh, The song success also reminds me a lot of. Uh, I like that Billy Bragg and Wilco album, obviously. And the first song has that call and response of I went out last night and they sing this. You know, it's a call and response. They sing the exact same thing. No matter what it is, they they kind of drunkenly sing it along with whatever uh, Billy Bragg singing. It's a cool format. It's a great format. I lo- so I think some of the lines in the song that you're talking, Kyle, I think are just going to enter my vernacular. I think I think that he- I will be saying here comes success when things are, are looking up for me in the, in the upcoming weeks. Here comes my face. Just (laughs) here comes my Chinese rug. It's playing bizarre. (laughs) Here comes my face. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, I did want to mention that of course, Iggy pop and David Bowie, would uh, stop working when Starsky and Hutch were on the TV. They would take a break <laughs> and go watch Starsky and Hutch. And before the uh, th- the show would air, obviously they were in Berlin, there would be this sort of rhythm that came on with the Armed Forces Network call signal. Yes. And that's partially where they got the uh, Lust for Life like, drums. Boop, 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 boop. Yep. Yep. But we started playing it on a ukulele. Yep. If that's what you're holding when you're watching Starsky and Hutch, that's what you're writing the song on, I guess. It's so wild, though, that they heard this signal. And David Bowie's like, I got this. And he ran, grabbed his ukulele. <laughs> and then we have one of the best songs of all time. It, it, Lust for Life's one of those songs. I just feel like, I feel like I've always known the song Lust for Life. I don't know when the first time I heard Lust for Life was. And the and the first time I actually heard Lust for Life, I don't know if I. Th- like, it's just one of the. It's just such an infectious, almost tribal rhythm. I feel like surely, surely prior to 1977, this was a song, you know. And it does bar- borrow from a few like uh, uh, I think there's a Supreme songs and a Martha and the Bandela song that have similar rhythms. They don't necessarily like fully commit to it like Lust for Life does, you know? Yeah, it's true. It has it has a rhythm of those older, uh, I guess it wouldn't be doo-wop songs, but R&B it songs. Sounds, Motown. But, Motown. Yeah, it mm. almost sounds like uh, like big band. Um, sure, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. B- b- big band or like, uh, I don't kinda, know. Yeah, like, 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 like sing, 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 like, like with like the swing yeah. drums. Just like with all toms and swinging is kind yeah. of how Lust for Life comes across, you know? And it's very Devo, how like the super dark song um, became, you know, advertisement fodder for cruise lines, cars, banks, you yeah. know? Does anybody else feel terrible when they hear that song and then they realize it's the Jet song? 
Oh boy. I don't feel bad. I just get angry at the Jet song. I get angry at the Jet song. If you ever feel bad about the band, the Jet, is that what they're called? The Jet? Jet. Just Jet. The Jets <laughs> were a band from the 80s. That's Jet true. was and the I band from the, the early jet. aughts. Fair enough. I'm sorry. I apologize, Ben. <laughs> but um, the Jet um, review on Pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No. Jet. If you if you look up a uh, Jet second record on Pitchfork, it's just a YouTube video of like an orangutan peeing into its own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it is, is that the review? Yeah, that's the review. <laughs> There's no words. That's it. That album, that that Jet album with uh, was uh, Are You Gonna Be My Girl? Was that the sure. one? Yeah. Uh, that showed up when I was in college living with Adam and Sarah, it showed up at, you know, like some kind of like promo from the label or, or whatever. I, and they were on tour. So I kind of like, Oh, free CD, you know, I was playing it. And yeah, even on that first listen, like I, 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 I get what you're going for. And I do like that sound when Iggy pop does it, but just them, it just seems so. It's just a territory. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, it just nothing. It felt it felt like a fucking Gap commercial from the get go. It oh, did, yeah, and it did not elevate the source material. It felt it, like no, it someone didn't. in the CIA wrote that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, 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 <laughs> I, I wish you were the hives. Yeah, there oh, you go. Man, love the hives. <laughs> shit, I wish you were the vines. <laughs> yeah, no like, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> forget the hives. You could even strive to be the vines, and I would have been happy. <laughs> Listen to this record. You've missed out on it for like twenty years. I mean, I've li- I've heard most of these songs out of order. Uh, I I don't feel as if I've the, any one of like that. There weren't deep cuts on this record where I was like, "Oh my god, I cannot believe I've never heard this song." Like really? I, I, I I was familiar with the majority of the material, but not not but not back to front. Threat? You knew What's neighborhood threat. Say so what, bud? Neighborhood threat. Neighborhood He's threat? You knew that song. Um. No, I didn't. Yeah, it's a banger. It is. When I start, when I first started to listen to this album years ago, right around halfway through the song "Turn Blue" is where he would start to lose me a little bit. When he's just kind of squeaking and calling, I don't know anymore. It doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> yeah, that song was uh, originally um, improvised. Like that was kind of like his impro- improvisation song. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was on the Idiot Tour. Okay. They kind of sanded off the edges for this record, but I think they used to be like a 10-minute song. I, I read uh, something Iggy was saying about recording this album. He said a lot of his you know, vocal takes on this album, it, 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 they said it moved fast. Like The recording process was fast. 
he was like uh, kind of writing lines like behind the microphone. He said, when you're working with David Bowie, you need to work fast and you need to be on your toes because if you're not careful, it'll just become a David Bowie album because he works fast. <laughs> you know, like if you're collaborating with him, you need to make sure to be on your game to get production done the way you want to do it because it, it, he's more than happy just to just to do it. And then it's him doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes <laughs> entire. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Considering those two cut like 10 albums in 1977. <laughs> <laughs> it's not much to do in that uh, Berlin apartment trying to trying to get sober, occasionally succeeding. You know, you got Starsky and Hutch once a day. But other than that, you know, you just got to cut classic albums, I guess. Just, you know, just just be just just be iconic in that Berlin apartment. Just just be iconic and prolifically uh, release iconic output. Yeah, I did think it was interesting, too, that uh, it it had been said that his sort of spontaneity, Iggy Pop was the spontaneous one. David Bowie had a little more control over, you know, what he had pre-planned out for his albums. But that influenced Iggy Pop's performance of improvisation uh, and spontaneous lyrics inspired Bowie um, to do some more improv on his next project, Heroes. I love that these guys are friends. Yeah. It doesn't... It, 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 it feels like a very symbiotic musical relationship between these two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have to call out... We usually call out really good covers. I thought this cover was... Blah. It's very... Blase. Who originally does turn blue? I thought it was a Nikki song. No, no, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, album covers. Album cover, yeah. It's just kind of a I picture of I was hoping to find him. more. It, I, I love his shit-eating grin, though. <laughs> it's I was hoping true. to find some history on it. Yeah, I, I couldn't find anything, um, but it just it just seemed like something that a label would slap on. Here's a picture of Iggy Pop, and here's it's the just title. Like, that's, like, so, even yeah, though his hair's kind of shaggy, right? that's like the most respectable... I've that's like Iggy Pop's senior picture. Yeah, he cut his hair because he thought that's what respectable people did <laughs> at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping that hair in back, though, you know, you got a party back there. So he's also wearing a belt with a horse tail on the back of it during his live performances, though. So he's not that concerned about being respectable. He's prancing around on the stage with a tail. I'm going to go just a straight positive on it. How about, how about you guys? Absolutely positive for me. I, I if you had asked me ten years ago to pick apart this record, I probably would have turned gone to turn blue and just like the his kind of eccentric vocal performance. But anymore, that doesn't bother me at all. I I, I love the sum start to finish. I listened to it probably ten times this week and I'm not done like songs this week and I still feel like listening to it. I'll go on to listen continue listening to it. Here, to be honest, I listen to records so much. This is the only record we did today before records that I'm super familiar with, and I love it. Yeah, total positive for me. It um, it's great, start to finish. It's got really interesting songs. It kicks up the energy of David Bowie, and I yeah, I think the the write up was probably right that this is probably his. His best, uh, best album. For sure. I'd say that's Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Oh, not wild one. 
Hey now. <laughs> hey man, I like problem child. We all like problem child. <laughs> all right. Next time we'll be talking about Ian Dury, new boots and panties. All right. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>